Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome again to another edition of Catholic Reflections. So glad everyone could join me this evening. I want to say a thank you to everybody who listened to my topics on Mary. I I hope that, you know, helped a little bit. I hope it was a little insightful as to why Mary is so important. Uh, so today we're going to go back to our regular readings. Um, I, 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 I hope that tonight we can hit some hard subjects here. Because the Mass readings and the daily reading both, in my opinion, they kind of correlate with each other. They kind of correlate with each other in the fact that they're both trying to tell us something about our sinfulness and our pride and that we need to be more receptive to those things. So let's go ahead and begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, I thank you for this time together with these people that are listening tonight. I thank you for allowing me to bring the word to them and give them an idea of what it could mean for their life. Let my words be powerful tonight, Lord, and let them touch those that need to be touched by them. I ask this as we say, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's go ahead and dive in. As always, we always start with our Mass readings. So our reading comes from Isaiah. First reading. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, what is the meaning of this proverb that you recite in the land of Israel? Fathers have eaten green grapes, thus their children's teeth are on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, I swear that there shall no longer be anyone among you who will repeat repeat this proverb in Israel, for all lives are mine. The life of the Father is like the life of the Son. Both are mine. Only the one who sins shall die. If a man is virtuous, if he does what is right and is just, if he does not eat on the mountains, nor raise his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, if he does not defile his neighbor's wife, nor have relations with a woman in her menstrual period, if he oppresses no one, gives back the pledge received for a debt, commits no robbery, if he gives food to the hungry and clothes to the naked, if he does not lend an interest nor exact insury, if he holds off from evil doing, judges fairly between man and his opponent, if he lives by my statutes and is careful to absorb my ordinances, that man is virtuous, he shall surely live, says the Lord God. But if he begets a son who is a thief, a murderer, or lends or at interest and exalts usury, this son certainly shall not live. Because he practiced all these abominations, he shall surely die. His death shall be his own fault. Therefore I will judge you, house of Israel, each one according to his ways, says the Lord God. Turn and be converted from all your crimes, that they may not cause guilt for you. Cast away from you all the crimes you have committed, and make for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, says the Lord God. I mean, anyone who dies, says the Lord God. Return and live. Here's your responsorial psalm tonight. Create a clean heart in me, O God. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit within me, renew within me. Cast me not out from your presence, and take your Holy Spirit not from me. Create a clean heart in me, O God. Give me back the joy of your salvation, and a willing spirit sustain in me. I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall return to you. Create a clean heart in me, O God. For you are not pleased with sacrifices. Should I offer a burnt offering, you would not accept it. My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit. A heart contrite and humble to God, you will not spurn. 
Create a clean heart in me, O God. Alleluia, alleluia. Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have revealed to little ones the mysteries of your kingdom. Alleluia, alleluia. Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Children were brought to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked them, but Jesus said, Let the children come to me and do not prevent them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After he placed his hands on them, he went away. Here's your daily reading. Daily reading comes from Galatians 4. <clears throat> but I say to you, uh, but I say that during the time and heir as a child, he is no different from a servant, even though he is the owner of everything. For he is under tutors and caretakers until the time which we was re, which was predetermined by the Father. So also we, when we were children, were sub, subverted to the influence of the world. But when the fullness of time arrived, God sent his Son, formed from a woman, formed under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, in order that we may receive the adoption of sons. Therefore, because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And so now he is not a servant, but a son. But if he is a son, then he also is an heir, through God. But then certainly, while ignorant of God, you serve those who by nature are not gods. But now, since you have known God, or rather, since you have been known by God, how can you turn away again to weak and desolate influences which you desire to serve anew? You serve the days and months and times and years. I am afraid for you, lest perhaps I may have labored in vain among you. Brothers, I beg you, be as I am, for I too am less like you. You have not injured me at all. But you know that in the weakness of the flesh I have preached the gospel to you for a long time, and that your trials are in my flesh. You did not despise or reject me, but instead you accepted me like an angel of God, even like Christ Jesus. Therefore, where is your happiness? For I offer to you, to you testimony that, if it could be done, you would have plucked out your own eyes and would have given them to me. So then, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They are not imitating you well, and they are not willing to exclude you so that you might not imitate them. Be, but be imitators of what is good, always in a good way, and not only when I am present with you. My little sons, I am giving birth to you again until Christ is formed in you. And I would willingly be present with you even now, but I would alter my voice, for I am ashamed of you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, have you not read the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a servant woman and one by a free woman. And he who was of the servant was born according to the flesh, but he who was born of the free woman was born by the promise. These things are said through an allegory, for these represent the two testaments. Certainly the one on, one on Mount Sinai gives birth unto servitude, which is Hagar. For Sinai is a mountain in Arabia, which is related to, to the Jerusalem of the present time, and it serves with her sons. But that Jerusalem, which is above, is free, the same as our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one, though you do not conceive. Burst forth and cry out, though you do not give birth. For many are the children of the desolate, even more than, the, than of her who has a husband. Now we brothers, like Isaac, are sons of the promise. But just as then, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him, who was born according to the spirit, so also is it now. And what does scripture say? 
Cast out the woman servant and her son, for the son of a servant woman shall not be an heir with the son of a free woman. And so, brothers, we are not sons of the servant woman, but rather of the free woman, and that is the freedom with which Christ has set us free. Interesting readings tonight, wouldn't you say? We, we have some interesting readings. Uh, I want to go ahead and start with the mass readings, because there, there's so many interesting things ways I could go with this. But I, I guess we'll just we'll just start with the first reading and go from there. So the first reading, you're seeing Christ is talking to Ezekiel here. I mean God is talking to Ezekiel here. And what's he talking about? He's talking about the transgressions of Israel. And he's talking about the fact that Israel has done a lot of things that aren't pleasing. They've made idols, they've worshipped those idols, they have had They've defiled women. They've had sex with women. You know, all these things. So, you know, Israel's done a lot of things, and God isn't happy with them. And not only that, he gives us a good reminder about life. He says, I swear there shall be no longer anyone among you who will repeat this proverb, for all lives are mine. The life of the Father is like the life of the Son. Both are mine. God reminds us here that he's in control of all life from conception to natural death. That's that's the Catholic view of, of life is it should be respected from conception to natural death because only God can decide, you know, what what life is what is done with life. He calls them home once it's their time. So he, he gives us a good reminder of that. That we can't be always in control of everything. Because what happens is then we become these little G gods in our own right. Or we like to think in our own right. So, you know, we like to think that we become these little G-gods, right? And we think that we're in control of everything. When really, it's God who is in control of our movement. And he's reminding us of that. So that's the first part of the first reading that I want to talk about. Is this idea that God reminds us that he is in control of all life. That we don't control that. Now, the next thing. If a man is virtuous, if he does right is just, and it, it, it explains what the virtuous man does. We talked about the idea of good works earlier, a couple days ago. But I want to go back to it. So, if, you know, if he does all these things, if he lives by my statutes and is careful to absorb my ordinances, that man is virtuous, he shall surely live. So, again, God's saying if you live by what he's given you, you're going to you're going to live you're going to be fruitful but then in the next part he talks about you know if the man you know if 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 the son if the man's son he himself you know it it, it lists the things that he does that's not virtuous he is reminding us yet again here this is the second part of the reading that we need to live by God's audiences cuz they're always right God does everything for a reason, so therefore, he's always right. So, if we live by his ordinances and we live by his statutes, we're not going to have a problem. We're going to live forever, you know, we're going to live in his presence and his friendship. Now, read this last part of me. Turn and be converted from all your crimes, that they may know, there may be no cause of guilt for you. Cast away from all you the crimes you have committed, and make for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, says the Lord God. Return and live. So this last part of the reading, God is saying to Israel, come back. Turn away from your sins. And why is this important? 
Why is, is this being read in today's reading? Because he says the same thing to us too. He's always constantly telling us to return and come back to him and live in his ways because his ways are always right. His ways are never going to lead us wrong. Okay? His ways are always going to be right no matter what. So, what he's saying for us to do is to come back and live in that love. Okay? He's telling us that we need to come back and live in his love because his love is perfect. We need to live by his ordinance and let him guide our life. That we are not in control here. Okay? We're not in control here and we should stop trying to act like we are. Because that's how you fall into sin is by thinking that you are in control of everything when really you are not. Okay? So that's the first reading. Now, the responsorial psalm, I don't usually spend a lot of time with. But it's an intro. Look at the refrain. Create a clean heart in me, O God. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not out from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. So... This is mercy, pretty much. We're at, you know, the palmist here is asking for mercy from God because of all the sins that may have been committed. We don't, I believe this would be David asking God to renew his spirit because David walked in favor with God, but he did some things, as you know. David was a murderer, he was an adulteress, you know, and you know, he did all these things that were not very pleasing to, to the Lord. You know, the Lord really didn't didn't like any of the things he was doing. So what happens is, is, is David's asking for mercy, and we should be doing the same thing. Give me back the joy of your salvation and a willing spirit sustain in me. I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall return to you. So again, David here is asking, as are we, to bring that salvation back even though we've sinned. Put that salvation back that you gave me even though I've sinned. For you are not pleased with sacrifices, should I offer a burnt offering and not accept it? My sacrifice is contrite spirit, heart contrite and humbled, O oh God, oh, you will not spurn. So this whole responsorial is about asking for God's favor and asking for God's mercy. How often do we do that? No, seriously, how often do we ask him for mercy? Not very often, huh? Probably not as often as we should. We should be asking for it every day. Because if we're going to live as if God isn't in control, then there's your problem right there. Just like, again, as we go back to your first reading, the idea that if you live in my ordinances, says the Lord, you're going to live. You will not die. His are always right and just and true. It's when we try to take over that we kind of lose track and lose focus and get all all wound up for no reason. So then, again, the, the gospel reading is pretty simple. I'm not going to spend too much time on that because, again, it's just talking about children. And, and the children came to, to Christ. And the disciples are rebuking them because, you know, the disciples don't understand. But Christ is saying, no, no, let them come to me. Because, again, look at the last gospel reading we read. Unless you become humble like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And remember I said that children are receptive. They soak up everything like a sponge. We should be that way when it comes to Christ and what he's trying to tell us. 
So that's simple for the gospel reading. I want to focus on the daily reading, and I want to go verse by verse. Like I said, it's probably not going to be too much, but like I said, I want to go verse by verse because it is important. So, okay, but I say that during the time an heir is a child, he is no different from a servant, even though he's the owner of everything, for he's under tutors and caretakers until the time that was predetermined by the father. So also we, when we were the children, were served to the influence of the world. But when the fullness of time arrived, God sent his son, formed from a woman, formed under the law, so that he may redeem those who were under the law, in order that we may receive the adoption of sons. Okay, so, what is he talking, what is, I think this is, Paul talking to the Galatians. What is he talking about? So, we, he's saying to the Galatians that before Christ came in, we had prophets. Israel had prophets that, you know, pronounced things to Israel because they didn't understand at the time. So, and then once God the Father had predetermined the time. He then sent his son in the world, formed by a woman, formed under the law, to redeem those who were in the law. That's the people who were going based off the the law of Moses. In order that they may receive the adoption of sons. Therefore, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And so now he is not a servant, but a son. But if he is a son, then he is also an heir through God. But then certainly, while ignorant of God, you served those who by nature are not gods. But now, since you have known God, or rather, since you have been known by God, how can you turn away again to weak and destitute influences which you desire to serve anew? So this verse, verse 9, is interesting. How can you turn away again? So God has sought them out, has set them apart, and what do they do? What do the Galatians do? They go back to their old ways. Because once you get comfortable with something, you don't really want to stop doing it. You just want to keep doing it. Because it's all you know. And it's you're comfortable with it. But when you're challenged, like to Galatians were obviously here, you want to go back to your bubble. I call it the comfort bubble. Because that's exactly what it is. It's this idea that you're so stuck, but when you find something, you're like, I'm just going to crawl in my hole. I'm just going to crawl in and not do anything. I'm just going to stick with what I know. You serve the days, months, and times, and years. I'm afraid for you, lest perhaps I may have labored in vain among you. So again, Paul's saying that he's worried because, you know, God has sought them out as his people, and all they do is they turn away because they don't want anything to do with them. That's what's happening here is that the Galatians are weak in their faith. Remember we talked about weakness and faith and what happens. If you don't if you don't remember that if you don't remember that, then please by all means go back and listen to one of my other podcasts. But again, the the idea here is that you know, God has sought you out, but then you go and turn away. Then what have I done? My Paul's saying my work is futile. That's what God's saying to us here today. He works in us. He's constantly at work. If we allow him to. But then if we decide we're going to stray off. And, and not allow him to do this work. Then you know his work is in vain. Because we don't get it.
That's what this is. It's because we don't get it. And then, you know, we, we fall off the wagon and, you know, we try to get back up. But again, is it, you know, you have to ask the question, is this work that was started, is it in vain? Because you're not going to see it through. That's what Paul's saying to the Galatians here. And that's what he's saying to us in our lives and our, you know, our, our walk with God. You know, he's constantly putting things in our path to test us, to see, to see what we'll do. And so how do we allow these things to happen and, and not have any, you know, backbone to it is what he's saying. So now, go to uh, verse 12. Brothers, I beg you, be as I am, for I too am like you. You have not injured me at all. But you know that in the weakness of flesh, I preached the gospel to you for a long time, and that your trials are in my flesh. You did not despise or reject me, but instead you accepted me like an angel of God, even like Christ Jesus. Therefore, where is your happiness? For I offer to you the testimony that, if it could be done, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So then, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? So, again, that's a good question that he has. i become your enemy by telling you the truth. What does that mean? So, again, you see Paul's making some hard-hitting things here, right? Hard-hitting things. And so, what... I find interesting about this reading is that we, we, you know, we're doing the same thing to ourselves. Are we, you know, are the people that are telling us the truth, or if God's telling us the truth, is he our enemy now because of it? Is he our enemy now because of it? Because we don't like what he's saying that, oh, we should be living this way or oh, we should be living this way, whatever. Is, is God the enemy now? Because he's trying to direct our lives. That's what you have to ask yourself here. You have to ask yourself, is he my enemy or not? If he's trying to direct my life and I'm constantly pushing away, then what does that say? What does that tell you? And then they're not imitating you well, and they're willing to exclude you, so as you might imitate them. But be imitators of what is good, always in a good way, and not only when I am present with you. Okay, so again, we talk about this idea of good works. We talked about it a couple days ago when we were talking about sound doctrine with good works. The idea holds true here, is that we need to be imitators of what is good and not fall into the trap that's been set. Because we all know what that's like to be trapped and not be able to get out. Well, what Paul's saying to Galatians here is that we can be that way. Is that instead of imitating what is good and what is right and what is just, we do the opposite. And what he's saying is be imitators of what is good and not only when I am present with you. So don't just do it when you see company. You know, don't just do it, you know, when the company's there. Do it all the time. 
because that's when you should be doing it is all the time. And not only that, you know, you need to keep in mind here that Galatians, they were stubborn people. Okay? And so, again, we, we go through here and we talk about this idea that Paul's ashamed of them because of what they're doing. Again, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty self-explanatory. He's ashamed because of, you know, what they've been doing and why they've been doing it. So, uh, I'm not gonna go too much again because it talks about the servitude and that, you know, we're no longer servants because of Christ. So, again, you see the, the allegory coming into play here. So, again, we, we talk about the idea of servitude. We're not servants anymore because of Christ. Okay, we're not servants anymore because of Christ. Now, I am de- now, uh, to wrap this idea up, Paul is just making a warning to the Galatians that they need to change what they're doing. Because they're doing stuff wrong. That's pretty much what he's saying. He's saying, you guys aren't doing this right. And he explains to them why. Take that into your own mind and, and think, what is he? what am I not doing right in my life that God might be trying to get my attention? What could I be doing wrong that, again, God could be trying to get my attention on something and I'm just being blind to it? If there's something in your life that God is trying to get you to address, listen to him. Because you never know. You never know what he could be trying to to get your attention with. And I think it's important that we need to listen when he's talking to us. Because he always knows better than we. It's just a fact. God always knows better than we. And so when we turn a blind eye toward him like it doesn't matter you know that's just you know that's that's saying that we know better that we don't want his input we don't want his you know his guidance in our lives when really we need it you know when we really when we really do need it so i'm gonna go ahead and end it here like i said there wasn't too much i wanted to go over tonight uh tomorrow we'll be doing the mass readings for Sunday, and then Monday I will be doing Romans too, because again, if you enjoyed the the series on Romans, uh, I will be doing Romans too on Monday night. So uh, stay tuned for that for Monday night, and I will hopefully see you guys soon. God bless you all, and thank you for listening to Catholic Reflections.